first thing. We didn't have these in Cuba. <laughs> I want to thank God for our pastor and uh, his vision and for the privilege that he gives uh, to be able to share God's words today. Uh, what does Christmas mean to us? Um, for me, it's, it's interruption. His birth interrupted everything. But that's nothing new. We see that even from Genesis. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was in the face of, uh, uh, of the deep, and, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. That was interruption. There was an interruption. And I got to ask the question, has he interrupted our lives? Has he interrupted our life from that, from that void, uh, from that darkness that's on our life? Because he, he's done it again and he wants to do it again. And he interrupted Noah's life. And he interrupted uh, Moses' life. And he interrupted Abraham's life. And he interrupted uh, the prophet's life. And then all of a sudden there's 400 years of, of silence. Total silence. Until all of a sudden the, the, the skies bursted. And those pastors got to see the glory of God. And all of a sudden, in the New Testament, he interrupted nature. He would get up and, and tell the storm and tell the sea to stop. He interrupted. He interrupted the, the sickness. He would just go around and, and healing people. He came to interrupt. And boy, did he come to interrupt Mary's and Joseph's lives. <laughs> and he interrupted the pastor's life. What if Christmas is about interrupting our life? Not only he interrupted nature, not only he interrupted uh, sickness, but he interrupted death. And he died for us. And he interrupted it. And on the third day, he resurrected for us. What does Christmas mean to us? Because in reality, we all want success. We all want to be interrupted so we can have success. We want success in our personal lives. We want success in our family life. We want success in our churches. But don't get me wrong. When I talk about success, I'm not using the definition that the world uses. The world says that if you have success, you have a million dollars in your bank account. The world says that if you have success, you live in a mansion. The world says that if you have success, you drive the latest car model. The world says if you have success, you have a mega church. You see, for me, that's not the definition of success. Because when you see from Genesis until the interruption of, of, of his birth, and boy, we don't see none of that. Because we want the perfect Christmas, don't we? We want the perfect gift. We want the perfect dinner. We want the perfect Christmas tree. We want the perfect decoration. But he was born in a manger. So success can't be what, what this world tells us that it is. There's no way. For me, success is knowing and doing God's will. That's success. It doesn't matter where you live, what you drive, what you have in your pocket. Success is knowing and doing God's will. That is why constantly when he was here on earth, he kept saying, I have come to do the Father's will. And we see that the night before he was crucified. Three times he went to his father and he said, Father, if it's your will, pass this cup of me. Three times. And we know that 
he was ready to do his father's will. And if we apply the, the, the world's uh, definition of success into his ministry, we have to say that Jesus was a failure. His ministry started when he was 30, and at 33, he was gone. If our ministry would last three years, we would say, oh, he was a failure at First Baptist. But you see, but that's not the definition of success. Definition of success is knowing and doing God's will. And I believe as a church for 2020, if we really understand the message of Christmas, I personally believe that 2020 we will have success if we start seeking and knowing God's will. If we want success, if we really want to know and do God's will, we need to understand the person of Jesus. The person of Jesus is based in three elements, humility, wisdom, and mercy. And if we say that, he, that Jesus dwells in, in our heart, these three elements should be basic in our life. Unless we live with rocks in our pockets. We're not going to have success. We can't know and do God's will if we walk around with, with rocks in our pocket. And there's hate. And there's resentment. And there's apathy. And there's pride. I know you're saying, man, I, I said hi to you this morning your, and your pockets were full of rocks? Yeah. You mean that you were worshiping and, and your pockets were full of rocks? Yes. Let me ask you a question. What's in your purse? What's in your pockets? And we come to church. And you say, but why can't we really experience success? It's because as long as we have hate and pride and apathy and the way that we just want to run our lives and our times and ministry and everything, as long as our pockets are full of rocks, we can't know and do God's will. So I got to ask, what is Christmas for us? Has he really come to interrupt us this morning? Has this season really come and says, listen, you need just to stop with your rocks because reality is that we do walk around. And this is the reason why we don't live successful life. The Lord said that we are more than conquerors. Why are we just satisfied with being conquerors? He says we're more than conquerors. So we need to ask ourselves, what's in our pockets? We need to ask ourselves, where are we going to walk into 2020? What are we going to do even on, on Christmas Day? Are we going to let him interrupt our life and start taking all these things in from our pockets in our life? That that's why we're living in a world that, that people just laugh at us and says, you guys are Christians. You guys are this God all powerful. And why are we walking and why are all of our churches so weak? What if we check our purses today? What if we check our, our, our pockets this year? What if we just let him interrupt us this year? And we can just walk into 2020 as a church and marriage, as a family, and really seek God's will for our life. I invite you to open your Bibles to John chapter 8. And we're going to see this in his everyday life. We're going to see these three elements in his day, uh, everyday life of humility, wisdom, and mercy and we're going to see why he came to do, he knew and did God's will and why it was so successful. We're going to see that he's going to interrupt the Pharisees and the scribes' life. We're going to see, because we all know this story, when this woman got caught in adultery, he's going to interrupt her life. But what our life? We already know the stories. We already know the Bible. But what about our life? 
I don't know about your Bible, but my Bible, the story about the woman that got called in adultery, starts in verse 53. And listen what it says. And everyone went to his own house. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. You see, that verse says, and everyone went to his own house. <clears throat> Jesus stopped preaching or doing his conferences, and all of a sudden he was done, and everybody went to their own house. Now, this verse has zero meaning until we read chapter 8, verse 1. It says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. You see, that's humility. That is humility. We all know why would Jesus go to the Mount of Olives. Why would Jesus go to the Mount of Olives? To spend time with his father. To spend in prayer time with his father. You see, when there's humility, there's going to be prayer. When there's humility, we're going to go before him and say, Lord, please make me a better husband, a better wife, a better Christian, a better father, a better mother, a, a better pastor, a better deacon, a better teacher. When there's humility, it's not about us. It's still about him. And we're going to go before him. And that was his habit, constantly going to his father. That's why he had a successful life, because he came to, to do and to seek his father's will. Are we going to permit him to interrupt our Christmas this year? Are we going to permit that he interrupts our 2020 and start being humble before him? Because when there's humility, there's prayer. You can go to any bookstores and you're going to see walls of books on, on prayer. And it's going to teach us uh, how to pray with our hands up, with our hands down, with our eyes open, our eyes closed, on our face, in a closet. You can even call the Georgia Convention. And they can send you a conference leader and teach us how to pray as a church. Prayer walks, prayer chains. Listen, I have nothing against books. I have nothing against conferences. But I think it's time for us to stop reading so much about prayer and listening so much about prayer and start praying. Because that's where success is. That's where really he interrupts our lives. When we stop our life and we seek him, we got to ask the question, where are we today? Because if there's pride, if there's hate, if there's resentment, if there's apathy, and we just want to live and, and go about our schedule however we want, listen, we're not going to live a successful life in 2020 because we're not permitting him to, to interrupt our lives. And we see him in his everyday life. There was humility. But I also see humility in verse 2. It says, now early in the morning... He came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Do you say, Darius, I don't see humility there. Remember who we're talking about. We're talking about Jesus. You see, I don't think that, that he needed to go to the temple to, to preach or to teach. I think that if he wanted everyone to know that he was the Messiah, he could have had two angels floating, floating outside the synagogue telling the whole world that he was the Messiah. I don't think that he needed to get up and, and to teach. I think that with his finger, he could have written that sermon of the day in the sky. But you see, when there's humility, when we are seeking and doing his will, we see that there's needs. So he was meeting the needs after spending time with his father. Because when we, we spend time with the father, when he interrupts our lives, he interrupts it completely. So all of a sudden, we feel the need of telling Fairburn, Georgia, that Jesus is our only hope. Well, then we need to ask ourselves, are we humble enough to go out there and stop people and tell them and to give them a track and to invite them to church and to let them know what Jesus did in our life? Are we humble enough to do that? Are we humble enough to come on a Wednesday night? 
Are we humble enough to, to teach, to come to the pastor and say, Pastor Evan, I want to teach. I want to do something in our church. Take a deep breath. We're coming out of this point already. Are we humble enough? Because if we're not humble enough, if we're not spending enough time in the Lord, we're not going out there. And if we don't go out there, we don't know and do God's will. That's why so many churches with for sale signs. Because we still want to continue walking around with hate, with resentment, with pride. But we see in his everyday life, he was doing his father's will. So if we want for him to interrupt our life, there has to be humility. Humility in our lives. If we want him to really uh, interrupt our life and for us to see 2020 different, it needs to start with prayer. It needs to start being humble. It needs to start going out there. It needs to start teaching and having conversation about the one that was born as a gift for us. But I told him that it, I told you that if we wanted to have success, knowing and doing God's will, not only we needed. Uh, Uh, humility, being humble, but we also needed wisdom. Listen to verse 3 to verse 5. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they sat her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that that such a woman should be stoned. But what do you say? Let me explain to you really quick about the Pharisees and, and the scribes. These guys knew it all. These guys were the religious leader. You remember when Herod, when Jesus was born, he, 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 he got the, the Pharisees and the, and, and the scribes. He says, hey, where is this Jew, uh, king of the Jews supposed to be born? Because I want to worship him. We know the story. He wanted to kill him. The scribes and the Pharisees says in Bethlehem of Judea, but they never took the time to go to see if this is the Messiah that they, they were all waiting for. You see, don't misunderstand what's intelligent with, with what wisdom is. These men were full of intelligence, zero wisdom. Zero wisdom. Did you see what happened there? They said that they brought a woman that was caught in, in, in the act of adultery. And they just busted the doors open, brought her up front, interrupted Jesus' sermon. There was, there was no humility there. There was no wisdom there. Because as, as pastors, we catch somebody in adultery. We don't drag them and throw them before you. We, we minister to them. We give them the opportunity to, to, to repent. But no one here was, was ready for humility. That's why their ministry was not successful. Because they weren't seeking uh, to do God's will. They wanted to get stuck in tradition and continue doing it and until they crucified Jesus because of the tradition. Because Jesus wanted to interrupt their lives. They got there with their pockets full of rocks. And it says it right there. There was no respect there. There was no humility there. There was no wisdom there. And, and they are right. In Leviticus 20.10, it says, If they catch the man and the woman in adultery, both should be stoned. But there's somebody missing in this story. Where's the man? They didn't care. There was no humility. And that's why I, I, I'm so afraid nowadays. We're walking into 2020. Jesus came to interrupt our lives. And we're still walking the same way the Pharisees and the scribes were walking. 
And we're saying, well, what's going on? We want to blame the White House. We want to blame Satan. We want to blame everybody. But could it be that we're walking around with our, with our pockets full of, of pride and hate and resentment and apathy? Because we see these guys here. And in verse 6, it tells us why they were doing this. This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. And so that they were testing him. If Jesus would have said, let her go, they would have said, you're not the Messiah. You came to break Moses' law. If Jesus would have said, you're right, stone her, they would have said, eh, you're wrong again. Where's your love and where's your mercy? That's why it says that they were testing him to be able to catch him in something. So if Jesus would have said, let her lose, they said, you came to break the laws. If Jesus would have said, stone her, they said, you're not the Messiah. Where's the love and where's your forgiveness? But did you see what Jesus told them there? No, he didn't say anything. Why do we always think that wisdom is always saying something? He didn't say a word. It, said, it says it right there that he, that he stooped down and started writing on, on, we don't know what he was doing. There's some commentary that said that he just stooped down and he started playing, uh, writing on the sand, the sins of everybody there. Could be. Maybe he stooped down and he started writing the names of everybody that was present there. It could be. I like other commentaries that said that he stooped down and just started playing with the sand. Have you ever done that? Just, I think that he was giving them time to think what they have just done. You see, because wisdom, it's sometimes just going before and say, Lord, what do I say at this moment? What should I say at this moment? When should I walk away? And there, Jesus didn't say a word. Verse 7, so when they continue asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin, sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. He saw the stones. You see, Jesus came to interrupt. And, and, I, and I love it because it says, so when they continued to ask him, this is called stress. They were saying, teacher, they would kill her, let her go. Kill her, let her go. Kill her, let her go. I don't know about you, but if I would have been there, I would have messed up. Like a good Cuban. I would have opened my mouth too quick. I would have been very spiritual, spiritual and say, forgive her. And they would have said, eh, you're not, you're not the Messiah. You came to break Moses' law. Or I didn't want to, maybe I didn't want to rock the boat. These guys were the Pharisees. These guys were the, the scribes. They were the religious leader. And I didn't want to rock the boat. I would have said, you're right. I see that all of you have your rocks in your hand. Stone her. They would have said, you're wrong again. See, there, there has to come in time in our lives that we got to say, Lord, help me what to say, when to say it, or even if I should say it. Because that's how we get to know and do God's will. That moment is when he interrupts our lives. That's when we're beginning to understand that if we want success in 2020, if really this means anything, we need to be humble, but we need to start walking with wisdom. I remember when my son was a little kid. I got home. He wasn't doing nothing sinful or anything. But I, I saw him doing some stuff, and I went, Ismael, what are you doing this? And I, I gave him a three-point sermon. The only thing that was missing was to pick up the offering. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'll never forget it. We were living in Tallahassee. He just looked up and says, Mom gave me permission. 
You see, maybe dad should have spoken to mom before we throw rocks. Maybe it's time, church, for us to start talking to dad before we keep throwing rocks in our marriages, in our family, in our community, in our churches. Because 2020 has to be different. He came to interrupt our, our, our lives. And, and we see it there. So when they continue asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw the first stone. I love that. Because remember that Jesus had just finished preaching and teaching that if you call somebody an idiot, you have just committed homicide. Jesus had just finished preaching that if you look at a woman desiring your heart, you have committed adultery. Whoever has no sin in their life, go ahead and start throwing rocks. All of a sudden, the same quietness, I'm sure it happened there. See, because constantly in those three years of ministry, he was interrupting. And yet, we come and we hear 52 sermons a year. We hear 52 Sunday school classes. We hear 52 Bible studies. And yet, we don't let him, we don't give him permission to interrupt our lives. Listen, church, that's why we're the way we are nowadays. Because we have our schedule. We have our calendar. And that's why church already became another event in our, in our life. Because we don't want church. We don't want God. We don't want Jesus. We don't want Christmas to interrupt our lives. And yet, 400 years of silence, a big explosion in the glory of God. I've been telling our Hispanic congregation that there's something that I want to see is I see the glory of God. That we can share the Christ with everybody. That we can have not perfect marriages, but healthy marriages. Not a perfect church, but a healthy church. Well, then all of a sudden, in verse 8, and again, he stooped down and wrote on, on the ground. What was he writing? We have no idea. There's commentaries that said that he kept writing the names of the people there, possible. There's other commentaries that said that he started writing the sins of the people there that had slept with that adulterous woman. <laughs> possible. But I like other commentaries that said that he just stooped down and just started playing again in the sand. Now giving him time to think what he had just said. You see, because a lot of time we come and we hear Pastor Evan, uh the sermon, and we say, ooh, that's for John. Ooh, that sermon is for Carlo. No, it's for us. Man, I got to get a CD and send it to somebody. I wish that he, ooh, that's for that guy sitting in front. No, it's a sermon for us. Now Jesus just stooped down, started playing again in the sand, giving him time to think what he had just said. Look at verse 9. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Don't, don't misunderstand this, this verse. People say, whoa, finally they got humility. Oh, they got wisdom because they all ran out. No, you know what I call this verse? Being cowards. They were in the synagogue. Even if they didn't believe in Jesus as the Messiah, they believe in Jehovah God. The least thing that they could have done is drop their rocks, fall on their knees, and ask for forgiveness. The least that they could have done. But you want to know what I call this verse also? 
Sunday morning. How many times we've heard sermons and, and Sunday school classes, and instead of letting Jesus interrupt our lives, we just get up and we walk away. We're done. That's why we don't know and do God's will. Because we leave with our rocks in our pocket and our purses. That's why there's no humility. That's why there's no wisdom. But if we really want 2020 to be something different, if we really want Christmas to be something different this year, listen, church, to my heart. Let him interrupt our lives. I've shared this morning with our Hispanic, you know what's happened in this year in my life? Jesus interrupted my life. Fairburn, Georgia, I had to look it up after I spoke with Pastor Evan. 2018? People that I have never met in my entire life? But boy, I'm enjoying it. Because once you start seeking his will and start doing his will, then you begin to taste the glory of God. Where are we as a church? Where are we as a family? Where are we as a marriage? Is there humility in our lives? Is there wisdom in our life? But I told you that we also needed to have mercy if we really want to have success in 2020. If we really want him to, to uh, interrupt our lives, we need to have humility. We need to have wisdom. But we need to have mercy. Look at verse 10. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman... He said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Every time I read this, it does something to my heart. Did you notice that he didn't call her a prostitute? Hey, prostitute, where are those people with the rocks in their hand? Hey, adulterer. He called her woman. You see, he started the process of restoration. And that's what he wants to do with us. That's what he wants to do in our marriages, in our family. That's what he wants to do in our lives, in, in, in our church. See, but what I love about that verse, there was someone there that could have thrown the first rock. And his name was Jesus. The Bible says that he was without sin. You know what's awesome about that verse? There's one in here this morning that could throw the first rock against any of us. And his name is still Jesus. See, do you understand why we, we could walk in through this door? Not because we're members of First Baptist of Fairburn. Because of his mercy. You know why the choir got to sing? Not because they practiced. Not because of Pastor Lewis. Because of mercy. You know why we get to get up here every Sunday and preach? Not because our title pastor, not because you voted for us, not because we went to seminary. We get to get up here, and that's why we get so nervous, because it's still about his mercy. Because we know that we don't deserve it. But if we don't deserve it, let me ask you a question. Why are we still walking around with rocks in our hands? Why aren't we seeking his will and doing his will? You want to see what mercy is? Verse 11. She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. See, that's mercy. 
His everyday life. His everyday life, there was humility. Everyday life, there was, there was wisdom. Everyday life, there was mercy. But I love the fact. Listen to it again. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's the definition of mercy. Listen, church, that's not our definition of mercy. What's our definition of mercy? Listen, lady, go back home. Stop being a prostitute. Then come back and see if I forgive you. And remember, I forgive, but I don't. Yeah, don't be embarrassed. That's, what, that's our mercy. We forgive, but we don't forget. That's our definition of mercy. Listen to the order of his words again. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The only one that could have thrown a rock at this woman says, go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. That's why three years of ministry, it all started in Jerusalem. Three years of, of ministry, being humble, wisdom, mercy. And in 2019, in Fairburn, Georgia, we have the word of God. I don't know about you. I call that success. Because <laughs> that's doing and knowing God's will. Can you imagine what we can do in Fairburn? Can you imagine what we can do in, in, in Union City? In Palmetto, in College Park, if we let him interrupt our lives, our marriages, our ministry, our church. I'm desperate for 2020 to get here. I want to see what God's going to do. I'm going to continue begging him and I'm going to continue examining my life and how I spend my time and what, I, what are we doing as a church and what am I doing as a husband? What am I doing as a father, as a Christian, as a pastor? Because I want to continue seeking his will and doing his will. But it takes humility. We need to pray. It takes humility. We need to go out of these walls and tell people about Jesus. We're going to have to hug African-Americans. We're going to have to hug white people. We're going to have to hug Hispanics. We're going to have to let them know what Jesus is doing in our church. We need to be humble enough to go and tell them that Jesus is it. That he came to interrupt our lives. But I'm going to need to have wisdom. I'm going to need to say, Lord, what do I tell my Cuban wife when she gets out of control? I'm going to have to say, Lord, what do I do with a congregation, with the Hispanics? Lord, give me wisdom to be able to submit to my pastor, which I love a lot. Just ask for wisdom. I'm going to need to start practicing some mercy. I'm going to need to start taking out some, some rocks from apathy and indifference and hate and pride. And then we're going to see what he's up to in 2020. Because I personally believe that he's not done with First Baptist of Fairborn. If we understand Christmas, he came to interrupt. He came to interrupt our lives. As the pastors, as Mary, ask Joseph, ask anybody in the Old Testament, ask nature, ask sickness, ask death. But are we going to permit him to interrupt us in this Christmas? But it all starts with humility, with wisdom, and with mercy. I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet.